Welcome one, welcome all to The Tension. I am your host, Mick White. The Tension is a podcast all about putting two theological subjects into right relationship and finding the truth that God desires for His church. It is our hope that the show will be able to reach the lost, equip the saints, and challenge you to think deeper into the things of God for the glory of God. We are thankful and excited that you have decided to spend some time with us and pray that in some way you will be blessed by the conversation. I am joined with my co-host, as always, my pastor, friend, and brother, Eric Moran. How are we doing today, brother? Doing well, brother. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. I am super excited because now you get to share with all of our listeners the thing that you blew my mind with for several weeks in a row and read recommended all these different books and then I got to read those books and I remember sharing I think earlier in uh, past episodes how it blew my mind and how it would call you and bug you um, just constantly saying dude are you for real like I never realized this I never knew this and so we've decided to title this Jesus's worldview and the modern worldview so a lot of this takes place in in different passages of scripture but it's it's looking at things that we have taken for granted, I believe is the way that you presented it to me earlier. And I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you on that. So this is going to be a little bit different um, than we usually do. Eric's going to kind of be driving today and I am just going to sort of ask questions as they come along to try and help better relay the information or kind of serve as the viewer hearing this for the first time. So this is kind of cool because this is getting a little bit into what we plan to do later on, which is the teaching series. So Eric is going to be the captain of this ship today, and we are, um, I just hope everybody's ready for it because this is like a lot of information. So if you thought other stuff was cool, this is, this is super duper cool. And we did an episode, um, a couple weeks ago and we realized that we needed to cover this information for you to better understand one of the questions. So that's why we're going to do this first. So then that way, when that episode airs and you hear it, you won't, you won't be lost and you'll understand where we're pulling where where that question comes from. So without further ado, brother Eric, uh, blow my mind and everyone else's. We'll start with the mind and hopefully the heart. Um, and it's not really that they took it for granted, but however, that is what I said. I quickly backed it up with what they expected you to know without saying they took it for granted that we knew these things. And I know that I was not taught it in church. I know that the books that I can highly recommend, Michael Heiser, the unseen realm, John Walton, um, the series, the lost world series, the lost world of the tour, the lost world of Genesis one and two they start to lay out this theology that when you do start to see it, the question in your heart is why haven't I been taught this? Why did I not know this existed? Yeah. Why, what, what is the motive yeah. for keeping it from me as a church attending believer? Right. Well, that, uh, that was one of the things that I read in there and this was the, uh, the lost world of the Torah and Walton presents the information that in that time period, they were, not worried about going to heaven. They weren't worried about a lot of the things that we're presented now in church. Like they weren't really like in their mind, the way that they're presented to us. I remember it was this long list and I I don't want to sit here and say it, say it incorrectly, but it was, it was different than, than what I had been, what I had heard in church before. So we have a hard time figuring out how to live out our theology because our theology is about a bunch of things that we've been taught to know. And then, 
moralism of trying to do it so that other people don't accuse you of a false witness. Right. Um, and that's not, the, that's not the theology of the Bible. And ultimately, the word polemic. Mm-hmm. A polemic is a truth claim among all of the false claims. Mm. Uh, the gospel of God, the good news of Yahweh has mm-hmm. always been a polemic. So right. it was a polemic in the ancient Near East to begin with. Mm-hmm. It was a polemic inside of the plant time they were settled around the other nations that were there. It was a polemic as they went into uh, exile with the Babylonians and the Persians. Then it was a polemic as they returned back for the second temple. When Christ comes, he's in adding unto this polemic, this truth claim that he is fulfilling. Um, when you start to understand that, and there's that scripture that says, depart from me, I never knew you. It's because you never knew me. You were never really part of the kingdom of God. You were never really part of the story of Yahweh. You were never really on mission. You went to church and, and it's like, okay, there is no such story in the Bible. That's not missional minded. Hmm. It's not like they wondered how am I going to live for God? It was like, either you're living for God or you're dead. Right. So there's not a section. Genesis 126 says, and then when he created them, he said, have dominion and go be fruitful and multiply, i.e. you're on the mission field. Mm-hmm. All the way through Revelation, I'm on the mission field. I'm 90 years old. I've been cooked by oil. All my friends have been killed. But when I get out of here, <laughs> I'm going to make a circuit around the seven churches to make sure that I pour myself out and I'm not going to do it in vain. Right. But there is no non-missional understanding of the bible right except for in the individualistic western moralist therapeutic deism of what i was being taught right and there's this separation in how we we look at our world so the reason i went with worldview when we were coming up with a title is worldview words matter Mm -hmm. it's kind of in the word it's how you view the world (laughs) all right so jesus's worldview when he viewed the world it's centered in god right and it's centered in God until 1470 through 1520, which is right. Copernicus and Galileo. And, and uh, ultimately, when, when that is taking place, what happened in the 1500s? It was the Enlightenment period. So now mankind believes they're enlightened. They believe that instead of everything revolving around the, the sun, everything revolving around the earth, it now revolves around the sun. And they were like, oh, science, it's not God that makes you sick. It's germs. And right. oh, we thought that we knew what was at the center and everything revolved around God. No, no, no. It's right. really about us. Yeah, yeah. So now Jesus came and died for you. That's heresy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus did not come and die for you. Mm-hmm. Jesus came to die for his father's name mm-hmm. to make known a way unto us, mm-hmm. not I, not me. Right. That doesn't exist. You were not created to be alone. You were created to be in communion, community. Right. To where when we look at Christ and you're like, oh, look at Jesus. He's like, don't look at me. I'm only here and I look and listen for the Father's will. Right. How? By listening to the Holy Spirit and the power of God leading me. Mm-hmm. Where? As I'm going, mm-hmm. making disciples mm-hmm. of anyone that I come across, right. baptizing them, washing them in the eternal overflow of who I am, right. teaching them to obey just like I obey my father. And and so it, we get to be part of that. Right. Well, wouldn't you say that that's probably one of the disconnects, though? Like, the, the talking about living for God or not isn't, now I'm, I'm asking, so don't think, I'm assuming, but isn't that one of the big differences with, like, Islam? Like, they live for their, they, they live for their God, versus, like, where they say Christians don't, like, you're not actually doing the thing. Isn't that somewhere where we can kind of say, 
I mean, when they when I, is that right? First of all, before I go any further. Okay, so whenever we talk about God, it's never going to be simple. Well, the, yeah. The, the the answer and the truth claim is going to be simple, but then the complexity of how that looks and plays out. Judaism and Islam and Christianity are all monotheist. Correct. All right, so we believe in the one true God. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, our approach to that one true God is absolutely different. Yes. Now, inside of that, we would have to talk about the code. That, that's a good future podcast because what we're going to talk about there is they were given the actual blood mm-hmm. of being God's chosen people from their birthright. Okay. One with that blood and birthright laid it down as right. a sacrifice to yeah. invite those that did not have the blood right. but have the promise, the word, mm-hmm. which is Isaac versus Ishmael, right. which it, it's the original covenant and the new covenant, and both of them are beautifully true. He, I, here's my quick answer for the question that you've paused here without us doing a two-hour podcast about what that really means. <laughs> Sorry. Here's the front side of it. We know through the new covenant, or we've been taught more about the new covenant that says you are not born of the flesh. You were born of the flesh, dead, spiritually separated from God to where you were reborn through the blood of Christ to then be alive in the spirit. And now your spirit and flesh wage war against each other because of the finished work of Christ in you. Mm -hmm. And the assurance is even though I'm not faithful, he is. Right. So through my faithlessness, I start to worship and serve him more and more. So not like my faithlessness and I don't have to do anything and I want Jesus to come back. No, that's heresy. Mm. But the real relationship is out of a thankful heart from the gift, Jesus did it so that I can do it. I can be like him. Mm. I can imitate him. I am part of the kingdom now. Um, he came in Ephesians 2, he came and he preached peace to those that were far off and to those that were near, to the Jew and the Gentile, to be part of the kingdom now because it's at hand and the time is fulfilled and mm-hmm. all you have to do is turn and believe in me. That's the very first thing he says in the very first gospel. Mm-hmm. To then I'm the cornerstone, I w- I'm what holds together the prophets in the original covenant and the apostles that are going to be sent in the finished work of me. Right. But the center is still God-centered because I am God's unique son opening up the promise. Right. All right my, my, the promise is I have been regenerate. I am alive in the finished work of Christ, even the least on the backside of John the Baptist and the one that was going to fulfill John the Baptist's message is mm-hmm. greater in the kingdom of heaven than the greatest man looking forward to the Messiah coming and doing what he was going to do. Now, okay. with that said, like I said, these, and there's no easy way. All right, so we believe as New Testament Christians, which I hate that term, but those mm-hmm. that were invited in without the blood, but through the promise into the new covenant made available by Christ. Yes. <laughs> for Yahweh's glory, by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I, all of that does matter. I know it sounds wordy. However, this is the difference. I live in grace. It's by grace that I am what I am, is how Paul says it. Mm. Um, I get I like to live. again? I like that. Yeah, and I get to live a life of thankfulness and contentment because mm-hmm. my grace is sufficient already. Right. But what about? Yeah, that too. But what about? Yeah, that too. But I just lost everything. Yeah, that, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Because you can't lose the thing that mattered. And that's what I've given you. Right. So fall in love with that while you have and you have not. 
so that Ephesians where it says I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me has mm-hmm. nothing to do with a football game and a 19 year old right. in a pigskin. Right. It has to do with when I'm down or whether I'm up, I'm mm-hmm. his. Yeah. I E missional living being yep. alive in kingdom. All right. All right. So I am looking forward to seeing and hearing my savior's voice say, well, gonna, well done, my good and faithful servant Amen. rise because I'm not going to dance for Jesus. No, I'm going to be no. laying prostrate. Prostrate just like every other person that's in the Bible that mm-hmm. says, when I saw the glory, it drove me down on face first on the ground because I'm unworthy. Mm-hmm. Then I get to hear, but I've made you worthy, recover. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, if you've ever been in the military, that's a heck of a thing to be able to recover from the front lean and rest position because the hard work is over. Stand up. Mm-hmm. Now, the Muslim is doing everything they can do in their own power through the blood they were born in. But they believe Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lords. They believe he's the King of Kings. They believe that he never died. They believe that he is going to be the one that allows them in or keeps them out of eternal life. Hmm. So they work looking forward to his grace. Okay. We receive his grace, which should lead to our works. Okay. Yeah. So okay. It's, it's still the same promise. And, I and I, I know there's people cringing. That's not the same God. That's a whole nother podcast with a whole lot of other questions that have to be answered. Right. Um, and, and we'll handle those as we go. And hopefully right. we'll be up and running where we can take comments and, and questions because those are the things that I, I, I do want to have back and forth. Yeah, with, with well, I mean, I do, I do too. So I, I apologize for if whatever confusion that may have caused. I was just kind of curious. There's a lot of different things that like we have conversations and I'm trying to you know, as I grow in knowledge, I'm trying to kind of put different pieces into the mosaic. So it's kind of, you know, it's that my fault is what I'm getting at. So, my bad. So what we're going to start back with is the worldview. Yeah, my bad. Go uh, ahead. The way we view the world has four foundational questions, and I don't care where you're at. And if you breathe air, you have to answer these questions. <laughs> all right. So that, I mean, that's all religions, yeah. uh, you know, a non-religious, you know, professing right. atheist. All right. Now, yeah. with that said, you have to answer uh, where'd you come from? Yeah. You're going to die. hundred percent chance. Oh yeah. Where are you going to go? Yeah. Why are you here? Mm-hmm. And who's in charge? Yes. All right. So those four questions, I don't care what religious system, or even if you say, well, I'm an atheist. Well, where'd you come from? Nowhere. Well, where are you going? Nowhere. Well, that seems like you don't matter. Mm-hmm. Okay. With that said, and we look at the way that Jesus Christ viewed the world, right? Everything centered on Yahweh his father. And he wanted you to have that relationship. That's why he lived the life that he lived. Yes. And then trained up strike parties on how to share that message. Mm -hmm. Selected 12, poured into three, eventually trained 70. And in John 17, it says, I have done the work that you have sent me to do. This is before he goes to the cross. Mm Mm-hmm. So the work that Christ was here to do was to train others to be able to tell the story of Yahweh the right way, and then he had to do what only he could do, which was become the bloodstained door as the Passover lamb. Mm-hmm. All right. With that said, our worldview has to answer those same things, and when we look at our worldview, our worldview ends up being more of a Western individualistic, materialistic, moralistic, therapeutic deism. Yes. Right? 
big words and, and, and words matter. And if you're yeah. not willing to learn, then that's what a disciple is. So you can rewind it and you can get those words. I'll, I'll quickly go through them. But for lack of confusion, Western means they're in Eastern culture. Mm-hmm. They live in community. Correct. They live for the name and the honor of their families. Right. And they don't forget their history. Yep. Okay. Flip it. Mm-hmm. And you got a Western culture, mm-hmm. which is individualistic. It's what I do. I'm going to get in trouble for. Right. Well, your grandfather. Well, that's my grandfather. That ain't me. Yeah, right. All right. But in their culture, your grandfather, when they would say, so, um, they're going to announce Mick for being a rock star. So we know this is a fake story, right? But oh, no, hurt. not that he doesn't have talent, but he's not a rock star. <laughs> so he comes out and we'll say like, I mean, and we might as well go big, right? Go big or go home. Right. Yeah. We're going to act like he's Mick Jagger, right? Uh-huh. All right. So he comes out and Mick Jagger's been alive. I don't know. He might have knew Jesus, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> m- when we say all of the things that he's done and that he's seen and how his music has motivated people into conversations that would have never been, you know, took place if it wasn't for his music. And at the end of it, and we go, and that's, I don't know Mick Jagger's dad, but that's, Terry's name. So he, everything that Mick does, and then yeah, I go, and that's Terry Ovar. <laughs> now you would think I was talking about Mick, but in their culture, he would never get any credit for anything. He is his father's credit. Mm. And then if you want to talk about his granddaddy, you're talking about his whole life, his dad's whole life, and his granddaddy's whole life. But they all become part of the story that they know, that they share, that they love right. as a different approach to worldview. Right to where there's a scripture in 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 the gospel that says, and nothing is done in secret, and all of them will be screamed from the rooftop. Now, in their world, that would be the worst thing for their family to be shamed in front of other families over their personal secrets. Mm-hmm. That that to them was like hair on the back of their neck, and oh my goodness, don't do that. Now, Eric Moran in his individualistic Western mind, I go, man, I would stink, but then Mick's got to go. <laughs> And then Joe Snuffy's got to go. Yeah. And I know Joe Snuffy. So I'm going to tell you, three, four people there, you ain't going to remember mine because we're going to be listening to the next person. So I'm not even worried about it. Now, those scriptures mean something different to those two worldviews. Right. And, and it was intended to the worldview that it mattered to. Mm-hmm. So we have to learn that worldview for it to matter in the way that God intended it to matter. Right. John Walton, the Lost World Series author and incredible theologian for the ancient Near Eastern culture. He yes. says it this way. The Bible was not written to us, but it's written right. for us. Yes. All right. So when we read it, we have to figure out their culture. We have to figure out where we are in history. God allowed that history to take place to make his name known. Right. The only reason the Bible is important is because it's about God's glory. Mm-hmm. The only reason Israel's history is important is because it's about God's glory. Mm-hmm. The only reason your life will matter is if it was about God's glory. Yes. If not, it was for not. Mm. All right. So when we, when we look at that and we start to move forward inside of that worldview, moralistic therapeutic deism is what most church can be classified. And that means this moralistic, it, it's whether you do right or you do wrong. Right. So your faith is built off of what you do. So you have to lie to yourself and become a hypocrite because you are not as good as you think you are ever. 100%. If you do. That's the sin we're talking about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, by default, you can't even play that game without becoming guilty of what we're talking about. Now, when you right. realize that, you can shut that. You can you can let that fall off. Mm-hmm. You will find yourself doing things you never would have been able to make yourself do if you'd fall in love and not be motivated by fear. Right. To have the 
come down to Halloween and see what would happen if you died tonight in an automobile wreck. Um, that's not the love of God. Okay, <laughs> That's the fear of this world, the flesh, and the devil. What would happen if you died and you didn't have this world? Oh, it will save me. From what? <laughs> from, from dying? Sorry, you're going to do that. Now, if you know you're going to do that, mm-hmm. you don't want it to hinge on what you do. Right. You want it to hinge on what he's done. So yes. then it's grace. Mm-hmm. So then through moralistic therapeutic, the only reason you were doing good was so you could make yourself feel good about yourself. Right. And the devil and Jesus are fighting it out. And I can't wait to see who wins. That's deism. Right? <laughs> it's not true. It's not right. the gospel. Right. But a lot of people are like, man, I did this and I did this and the devil wasn't done with me. And I did this and I did this and then God moved in my mind, but the devil wasn't done with me. It's like, wait, 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 wait. So the devil didn't make you do it, right? right. I mean, foosball is the devil. <laughs> uh, there is a tempting going on the, in the spiritual realm, the unseen realm, that you choose to worship and serve every moment you're conscious. Mm. So if you would fall in love with the actual kingdom of God and were alive in your spirit, the outer shell would be the stage that God has sent you to be his ambassador, his namesake, Mm. to where you would be doing it because of who you already are to give back for those that are coming after you in the memory of those that came before you because you're starting to fall in love with that collectivist worldview. You're starting to realize King David's life only mattered because the one you're living. Mm. But if you're not living a life that lifts up what King David did, your life does not matter because it was all part of who God is Mm. to where when Jesus Christ came, he says, okay, my Lord said unto your Lord, he's saying, I am that one that would sit on the throne like King David. Right. You didn't have King David, you wouldn't know who King Jesus is. Yeah. If you don't know who King Jesus is or King David, you don't know the gospel. Right. So we have to go back and actually, I don't know, learn the Old Testament, the mm-hmm. original Testament, the original covenant, Testament and covenant are the same word. Right. So when, when we start doing this, I hope light bulbs come on and you get excited about reading your Bible for the first time in a way that you don't have to skip parts that you don't understand. Mm-hmm. I hope that it makes you excited about the fact that, no, no, you're not trying to get in the game. You're either is or is not right yeah i mean you are <laughs> yeah a new child or you are dead and separated right i don't feel dead well you've never been alive who are you comparing it to <laughs> you know it, it's it's just one of those things when the reason right. logic start to change when the foundation changes and now paul would say well there's no other foundation but jesus christ mm-hmm. okay but jesus christ says depart from me you never knew me and i never knew you right well i know a whole bunch about you Yes, so do the demons. They right. shudder when they see me and they go, oh, I know who you are. You're the holy one of it. And he goes, shh, and they have to be quiet. Right. Because I am calling my children to fall in love with who I am and what I'm doing. So that, that should be our everyday inner truth and outer truth. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I'm going to speak for 40 minutes on the, on the opening. But either way, <laughs> I love this stuff because it's the stuff that sets you free. I mean, it's not, it's not for you to learn about in a Sunday school class and then go try to be something that you don't know how to. But no, I mean it to me to me it really helped it really helped me understand my identity in Christ better. It it like it freed me from a lot of the things that I thought 
I was supposed to be doing, and I realized it it defined my role m- much better. And I was I, I almost felt a lot of burden coming off of me in a sense because it was something that I get to do, not something that I have to do. Um, but because that's where I understood the assurance of Christ uh, fulfilling the law and the prophets, so that I can do the same thing. Now, what I rest in is the fact that he did it perfectly. But what I know in my in my in my soul and in my spirit is I am to be striving to live and be like Christ. And when I fail, guess what? That's where he says where you're where you're weak, I'm made and the father says I'm made strong because that's what it, that's what it's really about is that I'm doing the best that I can, but the thing that I hang my hat on is Christ doing it perfectly. And I'll even go a step further before we even get started. If you're not intentionally raising up your team of those that are in love with the gospel, you are still trying to figure out how this is all about you. Right. And a lot of us, that's all we've ever known. In other right. words, that's what we were invited into, and that 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 means that's the church's weight that we're going to have to answer for one day because yes. we've, we've had a wrong gospel that says, and he died for you, and now you need to do this, and you better not lose your witness. And right. so-and-so said you were doing such and such, and you're like, oh, my goodness, that's weight, and that's fear, and that's driving you away from, I can't do this. Well, here's seven steps, and I do the seven steps, right. and then I'm no further along, and I'm like, well, either this doesn't work for me because God apparently loves you and he doesn't love me because I can't do it. And you say you can. Right. Or we come up with this judgmental. I did all seven. <laughs> I am now the one to tell you. And, and you end up with this, <laughs> this religion versus right. relationship. All right. Now the truth of it is you've been invited into a story about God. Yes. God's the, the hero. Yes. Right. And I've Amen. done, I've done the movie thing, but yeah. I mean, you know, I, I love it. So, I can't do that or I'll never get started. No, you okay. won't. All right. So long story short, to, to take us all the way back, we have to understand that the theology of God has also, I know people get nervous with this word too, it's evolved. Right. And that just means it's grown. It's not like a cat became a hippopotamus, right? It's not that kind of evolution. <laughs> it's not, you know, the goo became a man. It is. Right. If you live in a very, very hot, dry, arid place Mm -hmm. you're gonna have dark skin yes it's a pigment and it's through the evolution of all of the pale people died yeah i'd be done right and and they didn't stick around long enough to have the 10 15 kids that they had in the time period when this was being laid down so then the strong pigment of that environment becomes the primary dominant pigment of that area it continues they're still a human being but the same as any other human being right all right so there's the equality but depending on where you are in your environment Mm -hmm. in your location there are things that are going to rise to the top. Why mm-hmm. do you think it's so important for us to be in community? Because that environment, those conversations, the, the things that matter to that environment mm-hmm. become the thing that is who they are. Right. So when we look at this, we've got to go back and see what the ancient Near Eastern people held inside of their worldview. Mm-hmm. We have to see what that looks like inside of the polemic against the, you know, the polemic versus what the Babylonians believe. Right. And that goes all the way through Revelation where, you know, John is saying, hey, the whore of Babylon, that, that's the role of the Holy Spirit because you got the prophet, you got the, the Antichrist, and, and ultimately you've got the Antichrist spirit, mm-hmm. which is the whore of Babylon, the spirit of the whore of Babylon. Right. Which means if it feels good, do it. Yeah, it's the counterpart. And 
the gods have made it all about us. Right. All right. So that's the apocalypse with the Babylonians inside mm-hmm. a Ugaritic writing. And yes, we live in a time period where you, I use those words and you say, I don't even know what that is. Well, go find out. Yeah. You know, Google it. Absolutely. Read a book. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if it matters, it's going to start to matter enough for you to challenge yourself to learn about it. But we've got to start with Jesus's worldview inside of what they took for granted that you already knew. So we're going to start with Genesis 1 through 11. In Genesis 1 through 11, the first thing you need to know is, once again, John Walton in The Lost World of the Garden of Eden. It's a temple story, Mm -hmm. meaning God created it for him to reign, for him to reside Mm -hmm. with his heavenly hosts and his earthly hosts in one place. All right. So... You have basically three families okay. that have been created to be together in right relationship. Now, in the unseen realm, the heavenly realm, the heavenly hosts mm-hmm. are given roles and responsibilities because they're image bearers of Yahweh in the spiritual realm. Gotcha. An earthly family created in the image of Yahweh mm-hmm. have been given the same roles in the first heavens, which is the material realm. Right. All right. Then they've been given dominion and then sent out to multiply, be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. And if we're like flesh and the world of flesh and the devil, yeah, they got a lot of sex and had a bunch of children. That sounds awesome. It's like, okay, it might be a little deeper than that. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying they didn't because right. that's true. Right. But it's the, like the, the, it's, the, it's the first peel of the onion. It's not, right. not near the core. Yeah. All right. But from the very beginning, they were on the mission field. They were to spread the word of God that would awaken life out of death. They had to subdue something. With that said, if we went to the average Jewish individual in Jesus' day, and we were to ask him, why is the world the way that it is? What is wrong in, in reality, in, in existence? Right. They would not say, well, the devil was in the Garden of Eden, and he tricked Eve, and then Eve tricked Adam. Kate. That would be one part of three, and even that, I would challenge that there's only one scripture about the the, the serpent, Satan, as we know it in the New Covenant, right. being cast out of heaven, and that's Revelations 12, 4. Mm-hmm. And that's after the baby's been born, right. so this is after Jesus Christ. So when you start to do your homework, the Nakash, the serpent, inside of Genesis 3 would have definitely been where they would start. Mm-hmm. There was this serpent, wise and crafty, that tricked adam and eve because the two are one flesh they both had to be tricked correct now the question is it's attributed to the author um moses moses all right you can say it confident moses sorry Sorry. moses was was raised where in egypt all right so he he was raised in pharaoh's house Mm -hmm. looking at the hieroglyphics on the pyramids Mm -hmm. been there and i thank god for it i wish i'd have been a older and wiser man when i went but either way i've been there and i've seen it now, Moses knew their gods were half man, half animal. Right. Right. So when he wrote to the original audience mm-hmm. as the original author, he was writing to people that just got freed from the oppression of the Egyptians. All right. And they knew that Egyptian gods were half man, half animal. Correct. So when they heard Genesis and he's like, they were in the garden and then a heavenly host says, are you sure you understood Yahweh right? You could be like us, part of the divine council in the heavenly realm. Yeah. And I mean, that's a different, 
there, there's not too many people that you go to church with that if there was like this guy that's been in church for 40 years and been a missionary for 30 of them, and he comes up and says, I'm not, I think you might have that, that verse wrong that you wouldn't be like, yeah, I guess I'm not. I know if you, if you say so, I guess so. So a divine being, Shimi Haza or Azazel is where you're going to find that out in, inside of the Dead Sea Scrolls and inside of the Apocrypha ultimately is a divine being that sets up a false truth claim in front of the truth claim of God. Yeah. Okay. Now, when that happens, the fall, as we know it and have been taught in traditional Western worldview, mm -hmm. right, that happens. The fracture of sin, sin enters the world through that relationship, but Yahweh allowed it to happen mm -hmm. so that he could reveal what's in your heart right. unto yourself. Right. And that's over in Deuteronomy 8, 2, and 3. Mm -hmm. If you want to, you know, just a reference verse that, 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 that happened. Okay. So when that happens, we have the fraction of the earth becomes God's footstool, Isaiah 66, one, the first and the second heavens. So the first heavens being the material realm, the second heavens being the spiritual realm are still together. Right. And the third heavens, the third community, the, 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 the throne room of Yahweh mm -hmm. has to separate <clears throat> due to the fracture. Right. But then the, First and second heavens, the earth being his footstool, has a sea of glass, according to Revelation, mm -hmm. to where he can pull things up and send things into the top. Right. We'd have to do a lot of cosmology, and we'd have to look at the fact that they, they were flat earthers. Right. It doesn't really matter what you think about science, and it's not a science book, so it's not even really a, an argument. It's a great point. They believe it was they 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 knew and believed by God that it was a flat Earth with four pillars making an underworld underneath a flat world. That when it was the water separated from the waters becomes a dome mm -hmm. on top of what we would call a table with four legs that go down mm -hmm. underneath the water and that mountain is the underworld. When you die. You go down there mm -hmm. because that's what they did. They buried you. <laughs> All right. And then if you went too high on the mountain, you would die because they didn't have air that you could supply yourself with and jackets to keep themselves warm. Right. So the good gods lived up there, but you don't because you'll die if you go too high. Right. And the bad gods live down there. Yep. And they're in the sea because the water's in the waters. Right. You have the good waters above, the bad waters below, the good gods above, the bad gods below. Yep. And they saw everything being about, I don't know, God. Yeah. Right. So they automatically did not have the disconnect that we have inside of their culture in the ancient Near Eastern. It was core principle question. Hmm. Now, with that said, God the Father is now above the arc of the water that you look up at, which is our sky. And in the first and second heavens, not being separated, you have a spiritual war going on between the first and the second heavens. Mm -hmm. Now, examples of that. You got any? Do I have any examples of the spiritual war going on? No. Well, you, yeah, that, that also. But <laughs> do you have any scriptures that, point, that, that just pop in your mind where we don't have the ability to see and hear the spiritual realm unless God gives it to us? But there's plenty of examples of them in the Bible. Think of some examples where. You're talking about Psalm 82? No. Not that one? Because that's deeper theology. I'm thinking of uh, when they watch Jesus ascend on the cloud. All of a sudden, two angels appeared. Yeah. And they said, uh, what are y'all looking at? Didn't he tell you to go do something? Like you're on mission. 
Right. All right. So that would still be true. Still, yeah, yeah. you should be doing that. You're on yeah, mission. Yeah, yeah. But the two angels weren't there, and then they were there. Yeah. Because that's like, and then there was two angels that were there. So like, I like, and there was these two guys that came walking up, and they were glowing, and they were a little bit further <laughs> off. And then when they got there, we were like, oh man, those are two angels. And then when they got to us, like, what are you idiots doing? Aren't you supposed to be on mission? That's not the way it reads, right? Right. All right, what about Elijah and his apprentice, where you have the armies of Assyria down below them, and the apprentice is like, oh my gosh, they're going to kill us. And Elijah's like, you're probably right, but I'm going to pray to Yahweh to open up your eyes to see the armies that are surrounding us. And when he does, the mountain and the skies are full of the chariots of God and the angels that are there to protect them. Hmm. So, oh, I mean, over and over and over. I mean, the, the angel of the Lord and how many times he pops up, whether it be with Joshua or whether it be... That the angel of the Lord appeared unto Gideon. The angel of the Lord appeared unto Abraham. The angel of the Lord. Yeah. So ultimately, we've been able to see when given the eyes to see the spiritual realm that is around us all the time. Mm-hmm. A great cloud of witnesses surrounds us is how Paul would write it. Right. All right. So, well, people attribute that book to Paul. All right. Now, when, when, when we look at that, that the, the theology that is there we have to do something with, because if I said mythology, pagan mythology, yeah, Greek mythology, right? you're like, oh, that's like Hercules and that and stuff you make cartoons Poseidon, out, right? yeah. Poseidon and Thor Ares and whatever. And, yeah. I, I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's like, that's that pagan stuff that there's all this stuff going on. Right. And, and it's like, okay, but how is the gospel a polemic against that? And it's like, well, they're wrong and we're right. I think it's a little bit more than that, <laughs> you know, because all they've got is the Trinity and that's, yeah. the, and, and it's not like all they've got is Trinity. It's just their theology. You can't read hermeneutically. That's just a big term for a set of standards or rules that everyone has to play by. That way you don't have people cherry picking, but hermeneutically, you can't take something that is developed later in time and read it backward. Right. Moses was not thinking Trinity. No. Um, when Jesus said, I'm the son of God, they killed him. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. That the Trinity was not on their mind. Right. Okay. Now, did they have a dual understanding of God, an imminent God and yes. a transcendent God? Absolutely. Yes, did they did. have one that they knew when they prayed to the God that if they saw they would die and that he has transcendent incommunicable attributes? Yes. They mm-hmm. they they knew Yahweh. They knew he was the most high. They knew he was unfathomable and beyond the words that they could use. But then they knew a God that he walked with me in the cool of the morning. Right. They knew a God that in his right arm protects. They, they knew a God that showed up at Abraham, and Abraham's like, so uh, you want some cakes and some lamb? Yeah. You know? Now, he never got that because Sarah didn't make it, but that's, you can go read your Bible for that too. Anyway, right, right, right. without distracting too much, there is a court of gods. Mm-hmm. There is... Many that have the ability to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Hebrew, there's like nine words for the little G-O-D in English. Right. And nobody wants to teach the truth of how that goes together, which would be the Psalms 82, which is the Deuteronomic uh, worldview of, of Deuteronomy 32, 32 7 yeah. through 9. It is this, during the Torah, mm-hmm. it was written backwards. Right. All right. Because they're coming out of bondage after the 400 years, right. after the promise to Abraham, after Genesis 1 through 11, because that's Genesis 12. Right. He's writing it backwards. Now, the oldest book in the Bible, as far as time period is Job. Job. So if I went to Job, what's the first scene? Well, uh, 
God Yahweh was in a divine courtroom. Mm-hmm. That would be his third heavens. That's, right. that's where he re- he reigns. Um, and the B'nai Elohim, sons of God, which are his divine counsel, mm-hmm. uh, were holding court. Mm-hmm. And then the Satan, right? Not you know, the, the accusers. Right? Like it should read. So, in other words, the person in the courtroom that has been called to do his job, which is to come and accuse, mm-hmm. has Yahweh say, "Hey, uh, so where you been?" The accuser says, "Well, I mean, I've been down on the earth, going to and fro, finding somebody to accuse." It is today, right? Courts today, <laughs> right? And I mean, that's not there, but you know, it, it's like he's in a courtroom. Well. How, how are you doing? Well, I mean, this and this. Have you thought about Job? You know, this would be Yahweh. Have you thought about Job? Why would I think about Job? You you put hedges around him. You protect him. I mean, he's yours. Why would he be worried about? He's right. like, if you'll let me hurt him, we'll find out what he really believes. We'll find out who he really is. Yeah. Let me put some suffering in, in it. Yeah. And then God says, okay, but don't kill him. Don't kill him. Yep. All it's right. All, so. It's only rule. The universal story from the beginning of the oldest book is this. God, Yahweh, is the most high, and he sits on his throne. Correct. There are B'nai Elohim that get to rule as co-heirs. Correct. Not because he needs them to. Right. But because he's created them to. Right. He, like God's design was a blended family from the jump. And we are a mirror image of that family. Correct. However, from the beginning, there is a court scene. There is an accuser, mm-hmm. and God says, have you thought about my children? And he goes, oh, why don't we give them some suffering? <laughs> yeah. So from the very beginning, how you're going to test who you believe, how well you, how deep you believe, right. it's going to come through calamity and persecution and mm-hmm. suffering. And from the very beginning, it's been the tool that is going to be used to prune and to purge the things that are, you know, inside forge who we are. All right. right. So once again, the Satan is given the ability to go down and apply this suffering. So where in the Old Testament, the original covenant, there is no personal Satan that we see talking to Jesus because he gets personified as that moves forward. Right. So Shimihaza or Azazel would be your Satan figure. That's a name Satan. Right. But in the Old Testament, the parts of the is there in front of it right. every time to where I wouldn't say the Mick or the Eric. Yeah. And Unseen Realm by Michael Heiser, Reversing Herman yeah, by he, Heiser. He lays that out. Really um, well. Yeah. And T. Wright, if, if you go back and you read some of these things, this is not new stuff and it's not something I'm making up. And it has way more information than we have time to cover. But what we need to hear is in the beginning, there were those that broke away from God to make a false truth claim. When they made these false truth claims, people believed them, and they were guilty of their sin to choose to worship and serve these lies. Right. Now, there's one that is their leader, and that's why I would say it's Shimi Haza, and he's the father of lies because he's been lying since the beginning when he was the original one to break down and go into the garden and lie to those that had been created physically in God's image. Right, and this is where this is where we get like the offering to God and the offer, like the scapegoat offering to Azazel. Right, this is where we get that from. That's the high priest later on. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, like, when that shows up in the Bible, what you're talking about is why they why they do that. Right. Chronologically, though, yeah, we're trying to build the fact that Job is the oldest book. There is a divine council. Yahweh sits on the throne. Right. Sorry. So, where did we come from? God created us. Right. 
Why are we image bearers? Not because of anything you do. Right. It's not because of your heart beating. It's not because of anything you can do because you were created in the image of God at conception. Correct. Because that's what a human being is. Right. All right. At that point, we have image bearers in heaven, image bearers on earth. Both mm -hmm. of them are in right relationship with God. That relationship is severed when a false truth claim is, is, is given. Mm -hmm. Deuteronomy 32 goes into the Deuteronomy 32 worldview, and I'm going to present this, and then we're going to pick back up chronologically where we just were so that we can understand what it means. 7 through 9 reads like this in the ESV. It says, Remember the days of old and consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show you your elders, and they will tell you. So did you hear the collective worldview? Hey, listen, all the generations that have come before us, mm -hmm. all of the elders that are still alive, and including, and most importantly, your father, are going to teach you these things. It's this in verse 8. They're going to teach you when the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind. He fixed the borders of the people according to the sons, the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion, Yahweh's portion, is his people. Jacob is going to be his allotment. Now, I said there's going to be three things that the average Jew in Jesus' day, in their worldview, would have said is why we are in the world that we live in. This just said there's going to be a time when the Most High God gives all of the human beings to the B'nai Elohim, sons of God, but Yahweh's going to have his own portion, which is out of Jacob. Correct. All right. So that's chapter 12. He picks Abraham and he starts this new story right. in Genesis 12. And that's why Genesis 1 through 11 is where we have to lay down our original foundation. Right. But if we get to Paul, he's like, there is no other foundation but Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 3. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Yes, but Jesus was fulfilling this foundation. Right. He knew this foundation. Right. And if you try and start here, you're not understanding who he was and what he was fulfilling. Right. So the only place in Scripture that God gave over all mankind unto the other gods, and I will be the God of only one people, right. and it'll, his son will be Jacob, which means Abraham. Mm -hmm. All mankind, and this is John 3, if you want to go read it, and then there was the judgment. All mankind, mm -hmm. if you haven't believed in the name of Jesus, are already condemned right. because all were given over to the B'nai Elohim, the sons of God, which are then Shadim. And a Shadim is a named God, a named demon, a named God that can be named in worship. Okay. So when Jesus is in the New Testament, he says, what is your name? Right. That's a powerful question because if, if you got a name, you got some authority because right. you can't have authority without a name. Right. And it's ultimately whether the authority of Yahweh or the authority of the God that quotes his name right. is, is really what's at the core of what's going on. So the Tower of Babel is the third leg. Mm -hmm. In the middle is Genesis 6, 1 through 4. Right. And that's where the sons of God, B'nai Elohim, same language, the divine council in the heavens, yeah. leave their natural, you know, their natural inhabitant and take on flesh. Right. So that means they incarnate. Right. All right, so when Jesus reverses this door, he incarnates Correct. to overcome or fulfill this brokenness that they've brought. Right. That's later in the story, but right now I need you to see that those four verses are there as a polemic against Babylon, mm -hmm. because at that point in time, right before the flood story in Babylon, they believed that the gods that were sent to them made them the most powerful people on the earth because they made... 
they taught them how to make weapons. They taught them how to make war. They taught them how to make eye makeup, to make their women look more sexy and more beautiful. They taught them how to do alchemy and make medicine. They taught him how to do the, uh, the stars and to see how the stars declare God's glory. But what God are we talking about? Right. See, I mean, so inside of the skies in Greek mythology, it's like, oh, there's Hercules and oh, there's Orion and there's, oh, but now those stars were created for Yahweh's glory. And those stars do tell his glory mm-hmm. because when we get to revelation i'll blow your mind just go watch uh, the star of bethlehem documentary and and it's like whoa yeah so it's not that reading the stars is bad it's reading the stars outside of it being about yahweh so outside of, bad. so outside of reading reading them outside of the right relationship is is the false truth claim it is to find your life in the so lie that, so okay so to put this in less complicated words for for some for some people would be what you're saying is Jesus came incarnating to reverse the truth claim that the B'nai Elohim, which means sons of God, brought into the world. Correct? Correct. Okay. I was just making sure that like that's what was going on. That's why he came was to set things back right from the rebellion that took place in the second heavens. So at the Tower of Babel, it said that the Most High, that would be Yahweh, right. divided mankind and then gave the authority of those people to the Shadim, the B'nai Elohim. Okay. Some of them led them towards Yahweh. Some of them did not. Oh, that's it's a ruling council. And it's not a severed council until Revelations 12.4, right. when the second heavens are shut off from the third heavens. But all the way up to when Jesus Christ is born, there is a divine council that is the watchers, in, in Daniel, in those places, that it says, oh, and this, this punishment comes from the watchers. Right. So they had the authority as the god of Egypt right. to where, like, get this, um, the battle is the Lord's. It's my god against your gods. Yeah. yeah. He, they meant it. Like, yeah, like, yeah. like they, if they weren't talking about like a cartoon where, you know, there's going to be these fake gods. No, right. no, they, it was about their gods. Yeah, when they, were, when they were fighting wars, it was our god versus your god. The greater god will, his people will prevail. The ten plagues, right? Each one of them represented a god of their people, right? That the one true god showed his authority over, including the fact that it's going to cost your firstborn son because it's going to cost my firstborn son, mm. and and that was the breaking point. Yeah. All right, but everything has a mirror image, a fulfillment, not right. an abolishment, right, in right, what right. Jesus Christ is doing. And Jesus is saying, "Have you not read? Do you not know these things? Like they are idiots." And we're like, "I don't even know the Old Testament." <laughs> Or, you know, we need to unhitch from the Old Testament. Well, great. You won't know who you are for sure then. I mean, to 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 have a uh, reformation, to reform, to reform to what? Uh, yeah. let's, let's reform to what Jesus believed. Yeah, there you go. Um, so getting before the church and getting before Jesus Christ believed this Old Testament, original Testament theology, study of God, the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? There is only one. Right. Now, his name is Yahweh. Yes. Jesus came and died so that you could know your father. Correct. But he never claimed to be the one true God. John 17, 3 says eternal life is to know the one one true true God God and Jesus Christ, whom he, Yahweh, sent. Correct. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't the fullness of the deity of (coughs) Yahweh incarnated for us to have 
100% man, 100% God, the doorway unto this relationship that's been made available to us and a new creation that we will one day be like him. Mm -hmm. Now we see in part, then we'll see in whole. Right. But right now we are given the down payment of the same Holy Spirit, the same mind of God, according to 1 Corinthians 2. Right. The mind of God is the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So we have the mind of the mind of Christ. Mm -hmm. We don't have the mind of Jesus because Jesus didn't have the mind of Jesus. Jesus had the mind of Yahweh, the Father. Right. Because the only thing he cared or thought about or glorified was, was the, the Father. Father. Yeah. Because he wasn't separated and dead. Right. Therefore, he could live the way that we couldn't before we received it, but now we can more and more because of who he is and what he's done. The question is, do you believe it? The faith. Right. If you just had a mustard seed of faith, at least you'd have somewhere to start. Right. right? True. And then if you start there, it'll grow and grow and grow for all of eternity. So eventually it'll, it doesn't return void and it'll, it will, I'm the author and perfecter. I'll perfect this thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. It might take a few million years, but you know, we're going to do this thing together. <laughs> Long story short. If you asked the Jew, if you'd asked, if you, we, we, we could have asked Jesus, why are things the way they are right now? He'd say, because there's a war going on in heaven. Mm. And what happened was my father made things perfect. Mm. And then there was a false truth claim put against my father's truth claim to reveal the hearts of those that were actually going to listen to him and worship and serve him. Mm. He said, if you do not listen to me, you surely will die and be separated. And that took place and was allowed to take place so that through this process, we're never going anywhere but where we were until we're ready to go forward again. Mm. Right now, it's not like God the Father's paradise is not going to be perfectly paradise. Mm. This is just the way we're going to get there. Right. Because we're going to return to sin being separated, the lake of fire being... We're not the ones leaving. Right. The unbelievers are the ones that are cast out where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. Hmm. But right now is when your heart's being revealed. And right now is where the world, the flesh, and the devil wants you distracted to where you're not understanding who you are so that you're missing the opportunity to live the life that will actually have value and purpose in and for eternity. Hmm. And Jesus is saying, hey, you hear these religious people teach you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. And I'm telling you, you better be aware that there's a court in heaven and you don't want your brothers and sisters to sue you for what you didn't go and say because you were so self-centered that you were playing their game right because if you're mine you're going to be there and there is a least in the kingdom of heaven and there is a greatest in the kingdom of heaven and the mm -hmm. only thing that makes you great is when you believe it and then go teach it right well i don't know how to go teach it it's because you don't believe it because if you believed it you wouldn't be able to you couldn't keep it out of your mouth mm. you would say it when you go to work you'd say it when you're around your kids you'd say it you would mumble it. So like literally in Psalms 1, and this has absolute, and we're chasing a lot of rabbits. Psalms 1 literally says, I meditate on your law day and night. Mm -hmm. Well, meditate doesn't mean what we think in English. Right. I think about his deep thoughts by Eric Moran on his law <laughs> day and night. That's not what it means. It means mutter. It means to, to walk around muttering. Like talking to yourself? Yep. So if I'm in Walmart and I'm talking to myself, I'm not talking to myself. I'm meditating on God's law day and night. But if, you, if you're reading God's word yeah. and you're waking up in the things that you have experienced, your antithesis is overcoming your thesis. Mm -hmm. No, baby. In the end, it's a synthesis. And God's showing you. Right. That means that every moment you're his and nobody can take it away because he's the one that gave it to you. Right. But there's a spirit in your body that is waging war against the spirit of your flesh because your flesh wants the things of this world. Your flesh is still manipulated in the culture and where 100%. you came from. But there's a new spirit yeah. that is an eternal spirit that 
is going to have that conversation and it ends in you muttering a lot. Yeah. All right. Now that's beautiful though, because that becomes the evidence that you are in a relationship. You are never alone. You were never created to be anything right. except for in community. But that means that you don't have a closet to hide in. Right. That means that you don't have closet sin. Right. That means that you were willfully doing it in front of Yahweh. Right. In the blood finished work of Christ. Mm -hmm. And dwelt by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. To where what would you sleep with a prostitute if you thought you were the temple? Well, mm -hmm. no. You know, they caught a couple of preachers of prostitutes the other day. Well, yeah. Wonder why. Because they don't believe it. Well, they don't believe it enough to where they believed it enough every day. But yeah, I mean, when when you're when you're putting it that way, yeah, I mean, it's it's weightier. It's a lot weightier than come down here and, and get saved, and then you're then you're good. Say a witch's prayer after me. You don't even have to say it. I'll tell you what to say. Hey God, I don't want to go to hell. You know, I, I'd, I'd much rather you know have the seventy virgins. Oh no, no, wait, that's Islam. I, I, I'd much rather have you love me than me go to hell. Um, I need you to know that I just invited you into my heart. Yeah. yeah. Um, so now that I'm on your team, right. I'll be waiting for you to come get me. Yeah. Um, get rid of these dirty sinners. <laughs> Amen. Uh, and it's like, no, no, wait, 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 wait. When God changes your heart for the very first time, you can realize that you are in a battle that you couldn't even see or mm. hear, much less know about. Mm. So then when they go to Christ and they say, you know, try it, Jesus turns around and says, why are you, what are you looking, what are you seeking? And of course they ask, where are you staying? And that's basically trying to say, are you from Jerusalem where all the learned people are at? Or are you from Galilee where, I mean, nobody knows anything. Right. And, and his answer isn't, oh, well, let me tell you all the theology I know. He mm. says, no, just come follow me. Come spend some time with me. Come find, come see, come see. Right. So the first thing you do as an infant in Christ is start to see him in your relationship everywhere you go. I mean, you really believe that you're saved. You really want to love a God that loves you. And you're actually happy with your life for about five or six days. Yeah, yeah, so it's awesome. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But then, you know, the, the electric bill goes up by $200. You get a flat tire. Your boss says such and such, and your kid won't stop saying, are we there yet? Yeah. And, and real, you know, Real physical life starts to weigh on you before you're mature enough to understand. No, no, no that's 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 part, part of, it. of it. Yeah, it's a beautiful part of it. If we did believe, and if we did understand the theology of Jesus, teach us how to pray. Mm -hmm. it, they didn't say Jesus teach us how to do miracles. You know, the the magician did to Paul, right? And, yeah, and Paul struck him deaf and blind, or what? I mean, but that's not what they asked. They don't say, "Hey, teach us how to, you know, cast out demons." Right? Literally, they say, "I know your power is in your prayer. Teach us how to pray." You get up early in the morning where we don't even know where you go, and you pray, and we know that you were so rattled with, you know, fatigue last night, but yet you had the power to come back out and shine this morning, and all of the things you did. We know it's through that prayer. Teach us how to pray. Right. Well. What is prayer? He says, well, when you do it, I want you to start here. Hmm. He says, start here. Our heavenly father who art in heaven. All right. So our father who is reigning in the third heavens and has all authority and all might. Amen. Your will be done. Your name be known. Why? Because on earth, we want it to be as it is already in heaven. Right. All right. So if there's a divine council in the heavens, the B'nai Elohim, mm -hmm. that have been given the ability to have authority. Mm -hmm. 
The only true authority is the one that Jesus is connecting to in prayer, which is his heavenly father that is in the third heavens. He is Yahweh, the right. most high. Your will is why you sent me. Your kingdom coming is why I'm here. Right, right, right. I want your will and kingdom to be here as it already is there. Um, what was Jesus doing? He was collecting his divine counsel. Right. He grabbed 12 men and mm-hmm. in his finished work in Revelations 4 through 7. 24 seats. 24 seats, which is the 12. Original and the 12 that eight. he got. So the 12 tribes of Israel, the original covenant, and then the 12 apostles, which is why when Judas was taken out of there, Matthias had to be brought in. Mm -hmm. The last time they cast lots which was for Matthias, Mm -hmm. because right after that, the Holy Spirit was given. Right. So now you don't have to cast lots. You need to shut up and listen because he's in you. Right. Right. And so now a new era, a a new creation starts at that point. Mm -hmm. But with, with that said, they had apostolic authority, communion, prayers, and amazing signs and wonders were done through them. Mm-hmm. The apostolic authority, the reason the New Testament has any authority is because they were Jesus' divine counsel that he trained up to be his disciples after he was gone. But the only authority they had was Jesus, right? Right. All right, so the B'nai Elohim in the heavens, the only authority they really have is Yahweh. Yeah, correct. And Jesus came down to teach us in every way, just like these are my authority, there is the authority of those in heaven, and they have the ability to lead you into false worship and service. Yes. The reason I've come is to make the one true Yahweh available to you again in a fresh way. The same way they broke it is how I'm fixing it. And you've been invited into the backside of the story because it says now the angels and the heavenly hosts long to look into what the church does. The church is the manifold wisdom of God, Ephesians 3. Mm -hmm. To do what? To prove his eternal plan that's already been secured through Jesus Christ that you are now the hands and feet of. Right. We are on the stage for Yahweh's glory the same way Jesus was. Is this where Paul gets into the where we'll judge angels? Is this is this probably what you're building out right here? Is that is that this? Because like don't we know that we'll judge angels? Isn't it because Jesus is reversing the polemic and setting it back right to the way that God designed it originally. So with that being said, in the second heavens, longing to look into the first heavens to see what God is revealing through the stage, which is the the first heavens, does that does that marry back together? Am I tracking or not? You are tracking, and that is exactly how confusing I hope you get to sound one day also. <laughs> But yes, what you're saying is right. And what I'm saying sounds just as confusing. And listen, if that's where you're at, that is absolutely fine. I promise what I'm presenting to you will only deepen. It won't change because it is the foundation. And it is the foundation that Christ was making available in this physical realm to where Christ is the foundation, the finished work of making this foundation known. But he was here for his father's name, not for you. Not for me. He was here to overcome the heavenly authority that had taken his father's name and done evil and wicked things with it. Right. So he is here, and all he does is, I don't know, overthrow the power of the kingdom of the dark. (laughs) That's what the casting out of the demons are for. That's what the, uh, why is he blind? And was it his parents? Yeah, was his father's sin or was it his sin? He's like, neither. It was for God's glory. 
all of this is for God's glory. So right. you look at this weakness and you think that he did something wrong. But I'm telling you right now, it's not about moralistic, therapeutic deism. That's religion. Right. And I'm trying to invite you into relationship, which is everything you'll ever go through. You're going to find out you were always a child of God. And all he was doing was letting you find out yourself. Amen. Or you've never been a child of God, and it really doesn't matter because you're already part of the wailing and gnashing of teeth. You're already disintegrating. You're already isolating. You're already denying everything I'm saying because you want it your way, and that's the problem. Amen again. What should I do with this crooked and gen- this grumbling generation? John the Baptist come? Oh, he's too hard. He's like <laughs> Elijah. I mean, look at him. And he was hard. Right. But here comes Jesus, and he's a drunkard and a glutton. That means Jesus drank, and he liked to eat. Yeah. However, we don't know if he was Baptist. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> with that said, and that trust me, it doesn't matter about denomination at all for me. It's the blood of Christ and blood of Christ only. But what he says is wisdom will be known, made right. Right. So wisdom is known. I came and it was too easy. He comes and it's too hard. It's not that it's hard or it's too easy. It's not yours. It's just not your way. Yeah. So you can deny it, and you can live your little lie, and there are plenty of gods that will continue to tempt you that you are right and that you're offended and that you should stand up and that you have all these rights, and Jesus came to die for you. Believe that all you want. He didn't talk to you on the cross. He talked to his Father. Yeah. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. Right. Everything in the Lord's Prayer is plural. Yes. You cannot get away from the communal aspect or else you are getting away from the gospel inside of where we've been born. And I'm not saying that that doesn't take work. And I'm not saying there's, there's not a beauty to be put in tension with that. Right. But you need to know that from the beginning, the heavenly host watched Yahweh create the material realm. Mm. That's in Job. And then in Job, it says, but the most high can't trust his heavenly host. Why would he trust you? Yeah. To Job. So right away, he's already given them the ability to choose to strictly obey or disobey the way we think of obedience and disobedience. Right. All right. Inside of that free choice is Mm -hmm. what that comes down to. Right. He's saying, hey, if they've got free choice, then they can choose to do wrong. Mm -hmm. We know that there was one who chose to be like the most high, to usurp his name. And he came and he stole that from Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. He usurped the federal head of Adam. First Corinthians 15, 42 through nine is where I would encourage anyone that's wondering what I'm talking about to go read. But ultimately we were born in the death of Adam weak, but in the second or the last Adam, actually the last Adam of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. you are born again spiritually in the image of the one from heaven to where you'll be raised imperishable, sown perishable, raised imperishable, mm. sown weak, raised in strength, mm. struggling, yet victorious. Mm. And there goes our attention of putting That's them the together end, yeah. because the flesh is weak, but the spirit is strong. Right. You seem to think that you worship on this mountain or that mountain, but I'm telling you there's a time coming where neither one of those mountains are going to matter because the only thing that's going to matter is whether it was spirit and the truth. Mm. So the truth would be the word. The spirit is whether or not you'll believe it or you get to believe it because when that takes place, you can start to actually work through those things holding on to the right relationship. Right. So one came out of the divine council tempts and usurps Adam's authority on earth and becomes the God of this age. 
Genesis 6, 1 through 4 says, Then others in the divine council came and took on flesh and had children called the Nephilim, Gabor, giants, and they were two-thirds Elohim and one-third human being, mm-hmm. meaning that God then says, I have to take care of this. And, and you know, you got first Enoch, you've got things that are inside of the Apocrypha, inside of the Dead Sea Scrolls, inside of stuff that for some reason you were never encouraged to read, that I absolutely encourage you to read, because Jews were perfect historians. That's how they passed their inheritance down. We'll have to go through the the history together as far as getting to Jesus' worldview. Right. We have to go through the four beasts of Daniel to understand what the 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 whole imagery of the rock cut out without human hands. Well, right. if human hands didn't cut the rock out, who did? God. That'd be Yahweh, yeah. the only one true God, most right. high, yeah. cuts out a rock, casts it at the feet of the kingdom of man, which has been Babylon, the Medio Persians, Greek, and Rome. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So for kids today, we'll say Nebuchadnezzar, Xerxes, uh, Alexander the Great, yeah. and then Julius Caesar. Mm-hmm. But at that time, God the Father, Yahweh, picks out his perfect stone, casts it at the feet, and the persecution of the Christians—that would be the suffering—persecution of the Christians has the physical representation of the kingdom of man to fall. Mm-hmm. But the spirit of the kingdom of man is just as alive because it's a spiritual thing, not a physical thing. Now, right. both of them manifest themselves physically. Don't get me wrong. Right. But ultimately— we have to do some homework over Babylon. We know, right? <laughs> right. We need to know about the media Persians, right? And we need to know about the Greek, right? Because most people listening right now that are quote unquote New Testament Christians don't know the history between Persia and Greek. So when John, assuming you do know this, mm-hmm. says, "Well, when the abomination of desolation is set up in the temple," he's talking about Antipas. All right, Antipas, Epiphanes, Antipas was anti, antique. I, I guess I'd have to go back and read it, but the, Antiochus Epiph, Epiphanes, maybe Antiochus Epiphanes sounds right. Probably wrong. Either way, what is true <laughs> is he was the leader of the Seleucids. After Alexander the Great dies at like thirty two, thirty three, he had taken up so much land that four of his major generals split it in four. Well, this person Epiphanes that I'm talking to, I'm uh, talking about rather not to talking about ends up getting the land of God, you know, the promised land. Right. All right. So he's the ruler of the Greeks, the Seleucids that now have that, that area. Okay. Well, when he comes, he's like, we're going to bring our culture and we're going to bring philosophy. And now that I'm in charge, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start building coliseums. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to call it the NBA. Um, we got, the, you know, the stadium over here, mm-hmm. you know, right. Go dogs. Um, and we're going to have theater to where you can watch, you know, I don't know, demonic horror movies. You know, yeah. it's all good. Don't worry. Yeah. Not doing anything to you spiritually. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you can just continue to distract yourself. And then we're going to have like these places where we can have great discussions and nothing new can be put in front of your ears or eyes because we'll just all have so much information that nobody knows what's true anymore. Hmm. Kind of sounds like the spirit of man today. It does. And the spirit of God says... Not on my watch, as for me and my household. So then we meet this yep. guy named Maccabeus, which the Seleucids, i.e. Epiphanes, sends out delegates to communal families. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if the senior person will be part of our culture, we'll make him a very prosperous man, and then he can 
you know, be able to take care of the rest of his family through the wealth that he'll give him. So they come to this community of Maccabeus and the oldest guy there is like, okay, I'll do it. So the second oldest guy drives a spear through him and the guy making the offers like not on our watch. And they raise up and they fight off the Greeks. That's why we have Hanukkah Hmm. Mm -hmm. without Adam Sandler singing it. It actually is when they became a free people for the first time, not oppressed by the Greeks, not oppressed by the Babylonians, not oppressed by the Persians, not oppressed by the Romans yet. Right. So they have this time period right. where they're not oppressed. You know what they do? They oppress themselves. <laughs> so the Hasamian, you know, dynasty is, is birthed through right. Maccabees family lineage. Right. And then they cry out to Rome mm-hmm. and Rome takes them underneath and they end up being oppressed by Rome. And then Jesus is born. You're like, why does that matter? Why did they think that the Messiah was going to be this powerful man that was going to overthrow the world power? Because Maccabeus just did it. Right. But it's not an earthly thing. It's that they, they would be fighting. So now we, the conversation with Pontius Pilate from Jesus is a different conversation when you actually know the history that led up to Rome being over them from the Greeks. The whole Bible's like that. I mean, you don't know why the Pharisees don't like the Sadducees. You don't know why the Sadducees don't like the Pharisees. You don't know who the Essens are. You don't know the underlying Greek culture compared to the underlying Jewish culture. <clears throat> So you don't understand like two thirds of what's going on because body language is how we talk more than anything. So the posturing and the the purpose behind it and the Hellenistic Jews versus your traditional Jews. And I know that all sounds confusing, but all I'm saying is if it seems like it's too much and you say, I don't care, that's the problem. Yeah. If you do say I care, but it seems like it's too much. You sound like I get you. You're like a fire hose when you're talking. It's the same story. I promise it may be overwhelming to begin with, but the more and more we get to get together on a podcast, the more and more we can hopefully come up with times for back and forth uh, interaction, the more that I can get slides behind me and actually walk through exegetically verse by verse of the scripture. When when we start to put this theology in front of you, has anybody ever said, well, I don't know how you could love a God that just goes in and tells the the people of God to kill everything, even the animals. Because you do know now, like, rescuing a baby out of a fire is number one. You are like a hero. You're like a real firefighter. Yeah. But number two is a puppy. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you can rescue a puppy, it's better than an old person. <laughs> like, like on the news, they, they, you will make the news quicker coming out with two puppies than you will with an elderly person. Because they're like, well, I mean, they were already old. But the puppy. Look at the puppy. Oh. The puppy's cute. All right. So how, what kind of God would tell their people to kill everything and devote it to him? But what you don't see is that there's a Raphaim or an Anakin in every one of those towns. Now, you don't even know what those words mean because nobody's ever told you to say, hey, find out, because they're direct lineage of the Nephilim, right. meaning they were the mighty men of old. They were the ones that when the 12 spies come back, they're like, um, we're like ants. They're huge. They're Gibor. They're giants. Right. It's where we get our evil spirits from. So the Genesis 6, 1 through 4, when God sends the flood and he takes away their flesh, they end up being spirits that are now disembodied, two-thirds Elohim, but they can't go home. Right. And they can't find residence here. Right. And they can't go to to the lake of fire. Well, they're not condemned to the lake of fire. Well, they're not condemned to the lake of fire yet. So they're in the second heaven. They have no place to go. That's why they are stuck here. Yes. And so they can be sent and they can take on flesh, but all flesh is temporary. Right. So it's not a home. You know, it's it's something they can do for a while, but it's not not home. 
So we have like the uh, guy that we are legion. Right. And well, we know who you are. You're the son of, shh, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's your name? We're legion. But it's not your time, Jesus. Ah. <laughs> when they say, well, don't send us to the pit. Don't lock us away. Yeah, don't send with, us to the abyss, is, I think is what they say. Right. With the original B'nai Elohim. Right. Where we're locked away waiting on judgment and torment. Yeah, well, don't send us with our fathers. So yet. send us into the pigs. Yeah. Well, they, okay. Jesus is like, all right, go. When they do, they run down the hill and drown themselves. Mm-hmm. So they weren't trying to like, don't kill me or I'll kill myself. That's, that's not what, don't kill me by your authority over who I'm possessing because that's a child that apparently is yours. That's why you're here to claim him. Right. Put us in that filthy, unreligious animal because mm-hmm. you don't care about it. And he's like, you're right. Go into there. <laughs> and he knows good and well, they're, they're evil spirits. They're already, they're, they're in a worse state than anything other than the pit would be. Right. But they're able to be used by those that are in the pit to carry out their will, which mm-hmm. is where we get our vampire stories and lore. It's where we get that. In other words, polemically. Right. It's, it's, it is the true evil spirits. It's why there's only a limited amount. Mm-hmm. I mean, because God killed them and they can't reproduce. It just, you know, it, yeah. so, so the evil spirits have a place inside of God's word as a polemic to where you can understand it as we go forward to where when Joshua leads God's people into these places that he says, kill everyone. Do you remember how they had to march in the conquest of the promised land? Mm. Who was in the front? I don't remember. The Ark of the covenant. Yeah. yeah, right. And he says, this is not between flesh and this is, we, we don't, we, even now we don't wage war against flesh and blood. We wage war about, you know, against yeah, the spiritual, spiritual principality. Yeah, this is a spiritual battle. So I'm here to overcome their gods and what they've done. You put me up front and do what I tell you. Yeah. But when we go where they're at, everything has to die. What's well, a battle of authority? Yeah. They, they undermined God's authority. So when he goes into the place, what is he doing? He's eradicating them to why to make he's now the authority of the land. There's nothing that stands against him. It's he's, he's ruling reigning among his people. That's the, that's the idea. So the people that were in those cities that had a direct lineage of the Nephilim, i.e. B'nai Elohim, sons of God had the Nephilim, Nephilim are now have their, they were there before and after the flood is there in Genesis six, one through four. If we're looking at the scripture, those that are there afterward are in the promised land. God says, when we get there, you're going to kill everything there. Why? Because they have a worldview. And their worldview is, where we come from? Wherever they said. Who's in charge? They are. Why am I here? To worship and serve them. Mm-hmm. Where am I going? Wherever they tell you. Where, where, the story they've said. And, and God's like, my story trumps your story. <laughs> yeah, rock, rock beats scissors. But I'm here over the story. Right. Not here over one individual oh how could he kill those people those people are all individuals and you know god came and he came for them (laughs) no if you believe and worship and serve your father your father is now personified by the devil in the new testament right or your father is yahweh personified through being like christ laying down your life for god and others not singular others has an s on the end others plural Right? Did I say singular? Yeah. Either way. No, I don't no, know. no. You were it's saying. not singular. Yeah. Okay. I have so much in my heart that I've rambled for an hour, and, and we really, what we've covered so far is the original people that loved, believed, and wrote the Torah 
understood the worldview of God created everything for communion with himself that was fractured by B'nai Elohim, sons of God that took on wrong relationship. You can read that in Jude. You can also read it in Second Peter. Not that it's foreign to, to that Jews all the way across. So then, as they took this unnatural relationship, God flooded the earth. Now, every culture has a flood story. Yes. It's kind of like the universal story. Yeah. All right. Now, you know, whether it covered the whole earth, whether it's geographical, those are all good stories, and we can have that at another time. But there was this purging of something that had got so out of hand that human beings couldn't do it without Yahweh stepping in, Yahweh doing right. what Yahweh could do. Right. Then, after saving everyone, because there's only Noah and the three sons after the flood. Right. So, you know, they, they central, east, west, kind of mm-hmm. what happens with the three sons. And everybody starts worshiping the lies again. Mm-hmm. So then at the Tower of Babel, God looks at his B'nai Elohim and says, okay, they've built the house. They've built the temple. They're calling my presence. Let us go down. I got something to do. Mm. Because together, apparently they can do anything. But I'll tell you what, let me split them into 70. They can do nothing except for fight each other and come up with racism and all the other things they do in a political Mm. year. So he comes down and creates one people, one word into 70. And it all sounds like a bunch of babble. Mm. And he turns all of humankind over, not to him, yeah, to he, his benaiol. He, he turned them over to the ones that were, they were they were worshiping anyway. He says, "You want them? You got them. They're yours. I'm done. Yeah, I'm with out. Everyone. Yeah. So that's once again all in plural. <laughs> There's not one out of this group in Genesis 11 that is mine. Right. They are all yours. Yeah. I'm going to pick one man which was Abram, mm-hmm. and I am going to build my nation through him as a father, through the son of promise, by the con artist trickster that's changed by the spirit of God, mm. Jacob, and that's going to be my story, and that's my allotment. And there's the rainbow, so I'm not going back to do this again. Right. I'm running my people forward through your false claims. You guys rule, and you got all you need. There's, they're yours. Yeah. But I'm going to make them my truth available, and I'm going to invite them in, and anyone that comes to me mm-hmm. will be mine i would be my i will be their god they will be my people yeah. through what abraham started the father of our faith yeah. that's where we get into monotheism we got to be very careful because ishmael's daddy was abraham too yeah and, yeah and judaism is out of abraham and isaac right so there are brothers also well, yeah, the, the one of the biggest differences I've seen when you go back and track it is one story picks up with one son, another story picks up with another son, and another story picks up with the other son. Mm-hmm. So that's where that's where you get it from. That's why they're so similar. But I I would say in in light of that, when you hear people say, because a lot of times I hear the argument from people who don't believe, and they say, well, if God's real, He can just show Himself to me, mm-hmm. and it's sort of like, no. So you, what what you're missing is is like you know that i mean if you look at if you look at everything the way that things are created and the way that things are designed and stuff like that even down to atoms they've gone so far down into the atoms that they have figured out even stephen hawking has said that space time and matter all happened at the same time like they were all created at the same time right. you're you're not getting around it anymore so scientifically if we want to or not guess what you have to have something that was that created that so that means it has to be outside of those things 
But then then we make it more convoluted when we get into the religious side. But what it boils down to is, is God has made his truth available. The problem is, is it's warring with what we deem to be true or not. So it's not your way. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's what it boils down to. I'm just saying, when we when you break it down and like like start doing the actual research and get into the conversation with people, I'm like, you realize that scientists are stumped on this and actually agree with God more than you're willing to. The people you're citing. <clears throat> And science and region were birthed, I mean, of course, they had forms of science before it, but science and reason and logic to prove man is the point and that God came and sent his son for me Yeah, started in the 1500s. Yes. And it was out of the reformation of the Roman, well, the, yeah, the Roman Catholic Church that had turned it into Hail Marys and works. So all of a sudden we have science, we have reason, we have logic, where Roman Greco taught and indoctrinated and we say because it's all about our thoughts and what we think that science proves this or that okay so it's a mental thing Mm -hmm. what you don't want to do is what we reformed away from which is works so now it's not what you do it's what you think i place my personal faith in jesus christ so now i know i'm saved Mm -hmm. did it change anything you did absolutely not no nothing okay so that's not true then Right, it's. Just, I mean, it, it, apparently, you have a mental agreement. That's cool. I mean, and that's good. It's good to mentally agree. Right. But it didn't change your work. Well, I wouldn't want to work my way to heaven. <laughs> so Jesus didn't work his way to heaven. I mean, in other words, he's like, if you can't believe my words, at least believe in the works that the Father's doing through me. Right. But I'm doing the work. Right. So works without grace. Dead. Grace without works. Dead proves that it's still just as dead how do we put them back together oh, no, let's see let's reform back before the church and the roman catholics which would be i don't know the first era in jesus christ right what was his theology his theology was there is a spiritual war going on yeah and you can take science and try to understand it in your intellect and your intellect be what you want to hang your hat on mm-hmm. and it's going to fail you yeah you could just do everything for everyone to think that you are awesome and it all be about works and it'd be about the physical life you lived. And if that's where you hang your hat, no, nope, it ain't going to be good either. So right. what's left? Well, what's left is it being about God and doing everything for his glory, both in your mind and your body. And all of a sudden we are jamming with, I don't know, I think that's exactly the Old Testament, the theology of the New Testament birthed out of the Old Testament right? to where you start lining up with scripture. You start actually seeing the things that they struggle with being the things you struggle with because you're actually entering into a missional life. And I'm not saying you have to go somewhere and nobody speaks your language. I'm saying everyone that has breath is on mission. Right. And it starts inside of you, not outside of you. And as you preach the gospel to yourself, and we'll, we'll walk through that also, you start to learn that it's not that it's too easy and it's not that it's too hard. It's God's way. Yeah. Or it's not. And, and, and there's only two kingdoms with God. It's either light or dark. There is no, you know, hot or cold. Right. Well, I mean, I, I do think, I, first of all, I want to say, I'm going to go ahead, just just from me being the mediator between this information and those who have never heard it before, you're going to have to pause here because this, I sometimes I, I go back and listen to this and I probably will listen to this again. Um, I mean, it's 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 a lot to digest, and I know you're not done. So, no, well, not we haven't even got to Psalms 82. Yeah, I know. So, I, what I wanted to do was, is I wanted to 
please go back and listen to this again because we're going to move forward with this and continue on in this because it is it's it's critical to understand a lot of the conversations that we're going to have because it gives you the framework of where we're coming from when we are trying to mend these things together and i would say that the reason we're trying to mend these things together is because when we look at psalm 82 it calls you know you see the call for god inherit all the nations so bring this back to your authority, your story. So we're going to read Psalm 82 just to show you that w- with everything that he's been talking about, it's right there. So <laughs> what, he, what he's talking about, this lays it out pretty pretty perfectly. The, the, ba- the Babel and um, the Job thing, all, the, all those things. It, it's, I mean, it's right there. And I promise I am the least technically advanced person it's so true hearing my voice right now so like (laughs) unto the world i promise that if i could find this information just by knowing the authors whether you you like youtube and and having somebody sit in front of you and talk about it whether you're a reader if you're a reader i mean michael heiser john walton nt Wright, so good um it it, it's a starting point and then they're going to have tons of bibliography and you're going to have if you want to know how deep the rabbit hole goes God's ready, and that's why you're here. Yeah. You're going to have to do some of this on your own because it is too deep for you to just hear what somebody else talks about and it be so foreign because you really haven't sat in front of it. But when we get to our Old Testament and Daniel prays and 77 days later, the angel of the Lord gets to him and he's like, Yahweh heard you when you said it. But when I said out, the prince of Tyree, in other words, that's an earthly man, that has a demonic presence behind him, Mm -hmm. held me up until the archangel Michael, our warrior angel for God's people, the allotted Jacob, shows up and frees me so that I can come to you. Yeah. That's still going on. Yeah, absolutely. So so what we're going to do is we're going to read Psalm 82, and it reads, God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods he holds judgment. Now, if you, I will say really fast, I want to do this. If you read this in the Hebrew, right? Mm-hmm. If you read this in the Hebrew, it would read like this. Capital Elohim has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the Elohim. He holds judgment. Now, the only difference is there's a capital E where it's, uh, what? They're exactly the same word. Well, I thought his, his is capitalized. Is it not? The sentence structure is what we let you know. The Hebrew is written just like English, so the singularity of his place. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, in yeah. the council, but right. as far as the word, it's, it's, it, it. it's exactly this. The, the only reason it would be capitalized if Mick was to read it in Hebrew is it starts a sentence just like in English. Got, okay. So you may have okay. read it and seen the capital E and made that reference, Probably. but no, it's, it, it is same. It's the same exact word. Probably. There is no difference at all. Hey, I'm growing too, baby. But it's a singular and plural word. Oh yeah, that, Elohim. It, yeah. Elo okay. is singular. Yeah. Him is plural. So the word can be used singular or plural. Right. Well, how do we know, Eric? The sentence structure, just like in English. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. That's where you were. Not, not going to interrupt anymore. But uh, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain maintain the right of the afflicted and the I can I'm so small I can hardly read it. Uh maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. 
They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, y'all are gods, sons of the Most High, all of y'all. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O Yahweh, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. So what that's, and inside of that right there, what it's saying is this is God talking to the B'nai Elohim and telling them that they are not doing what God assigned them to do. They are, they are operating in wickedness. So that's, there it is right there inside of the scripture. The problem is you didn't have any frame of reference for it when you were reading it. So it sounded just, you didn't know what to do with it. So you can't do anything with it. And we are trying our best to equip you to be able to do things with this information and read the Bible with the way that God intended for us to be able to read it. It is not written to us, but it is written for us. It is written for our relationship with Yahweh, for us to understand what has been going on, so that way we are not ignorant or blind to the truth, but we know we know where we are inside of his story. A couple other takeaways as we're closing. <clears throat> Dead Sea Scrolls were found right around 1950. They are the oldest manuscripts that we have predating the Masoretic text. The Masoretic text, when we go to Deuteronomy 32, had the sons of Israel instead of the sons of God. We have an older manuscript now that allows us to know that it is B'nai Elohim, which shifts so many things that if in your head, trust me, I, I deal with real people in a real gospel. You sure are a young whippersnapper. Why didn't so-and-so know this? And Why didn't so-and-so teach me this? Well, from the 1950s, basically, to the 1980s, they had to figure out what it is, whether or not it is what it is. Right. Um, archaeologically, they started working on it in 1950. It gets into academia. Academia has been on this hunt and presentation for a good 40 years. Now, yeah. my question is, why hasn't it gotten into the churches? Because it's it's what sets us free. That I don't have an answer to, other right. than... Well, they're not, they're comfortable and they're not coming. <laughs> if, yeah. if, if you make it confusing, just like I, I promise if we could watch people listen and I promise in the first 10 minutes, they're like, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> and, and ultimately all I can say is if they keep coming back, you're going to have to, you're going to have to eventually man up and find out what you believe and whether or not it matters enough, because it's the only thing that does matter. The reason we haven't heard it before is because the Dead Sea Scrolls were a, a game changer, which God archaeologically gave us in the 1950s by his sovereign and divine choice. Mm -hmm. And he gave it to us to prepare for whatever is going to happen in this globe next. And if you say, nah, I'm out on that. I don't really want to know that new stuff. <laughs> you are saying, I really don't want God to challenge me with what he's made available through his mighty and sovereign hand. And I challenge you not to do that. I challenge you not to give up. I challenge you to yeah. challenge the things that challenge you because God's not scared of that. And God's not scared of you saying, oh, I don't believe it. And even if you just want to try and prove this theology wrong, just challenge it. Let it challenge you and challenge it. But I'm telling you, you won't have to skip anything in your scriptures. And like Michael Heiser says, in the beginning of the Unseen Realm, which is the first book I would tell you to read, and there's actually people that you can have conversations with with when you read it, because I didn't have that. But ultimately, when you start to challenge this, and you're not going to like things you read, I didn't like things I read. That's tough. But it was true. Yeah. And, and the more that I read it, and the more that I saw it, and the more that it started to change why I really am alive, why I really am a child of God, 
the, the being raised to judge angels. Mm-hmm. God's a God of unity. Mm-hmm. He has to be whole. Yeah. So if in Revelations 12, for a third of the stars, and Revelations 1 has already said the stars are the angels, the angel, right. angelic hosts, mm-hmm. when Satan was cast out of the presence of the third heavens and took a third of the B'nai Elohim mm-hmm. with him, mm-hmm. a third of the council became vacant. Mm-hmm. And Paul is saying, and that's what we are, is we're the few and the, the narrow. Mm-hmm. So if I say, many are going to go to hell because it's easy and it's wide. Mm-hmm. And I say, but narrow is the way and it's hard and few find it. Mm-hmm. But it's in God's design of three, but yet one, mm-hmm. three, but yet one story, all are equally important in right relationship. To put them in right relationship is this, the heavens of three thirds mm-hmm. have one third kicked out as the other one third are being called and prepared. Mm-hmm. So we are the B'nai Elohim mm-hmm. through the work of Christ mm-hmm. as part of his counsel to then we'll turn around and be co-heirs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what scripture teaches right. with those that brothers and sisters inside of the King of King, Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, who will judge the angels. Now, all I can tell you is I want it to be in the back. Yeah. Cause Jesus is the one that's going to judge the angels, mm-hmm. but we are going to be filling the completeness, the wholeness mm-hmm. that was made vacant by those that rebelled. Those uh-huh. that, those that would not. Okay. So that's, that that's where that, that complete theology of Paul is right. saying, hey, you're being trained to be in their position, right? and they're trying to keep you from doing it, right? because you don't wage war against flesh and blood, you wage war against the powers and the principalities and the authorities, and that's who you're against. right? So then when I talk to you and John says to test the spirit of the individual you're talking to, I'm not talking to that shell, I'm talking to that spirit, mm-hmm. and when I'm talking to your spirit, your spirit is either in the kingdom of darkness and your father's the devil, or right. your spirit is in the kingdom of light and Yahweh is your father, yeah. or not. Right. All right, so I represent the kingdom mm-hmm. that has sent me, yep. and so do you, and so does everyone else. Amen. And, and together, we're calling our brothers and sisters into a time of suffering and persecution and in our Western individualistic culture, there's never really experienced it. Knuckle up, children. Yeah, 100%. It's coming. Well, we thank you for joining us today on the podcast. We hope that uh, you have taken away information that will help you and challenge what you believe for the benefit of growing in our walk with God. If you would like to support this ministry, you can join us on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash faithfleshedout. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Faith Fleshed Out. If you have any questions or comments or want to get involved, you can contact us at our email at faithfleshedout at gmail.com. That is faithfleshedout at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for joining us, and we will we love y'all. And uh, Eric, say bye. Bye, Eric. We'll see y'all.